I would like to uh, have you open them to the Gospel of Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. And uh, hold your place there and we'll get into the scripture here in a second. Let's just set ourselves in agreement. Father, I thank you so much for the word of the Lord. You said it's like a hammer and it breaketh the rock and it breaketh the oppression, that your word is like a hammer, Father, and it brings forth these things. And so as the word of the Lord goes forth today, this morning, right now, I pray that the word of the Lord would break every bondage, everything that the enemy has brought upon the, the people of God, whether those that are here this morning, those listening on the phone lines, Lord, there's no distance in the realm of the Spirit. May the Spirit of God break every bondage and set people free as your word is going forth today. And we thank you, Lord, that it will not return void. Your word will accomplish that which you please, and it'll prosper to the thing whereunto it is sent. And so we thank you for it today. Thank you for these things today, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. I want to talk, I want to start ask actually a brand new series today. Uh, of course, last week we had church on the phone lines only because of the fact that they rented out the building. So we're back in session here. Hallelujah. And I want to talk about today, this is what the Lord had been dealing with my heart, speaking to my heart about. And it's called Determine to Win. Determine to Win to win. You know, this time of the year with football season starting right now, it's like the second week of the NFL, you know, the goal of every single team is to win the Super Bowl, right? Now, I, I forgot to count how many teams there are. Does anybody know offhand how many, how many NFL teams there are? There's quite a few, right? Only one of them's going to win the big prize, right? Only one of them is going to win the Super Bowl. But none of the teams that start, start by saying, well, our goal is to finish last place or second place, right? No matter what deck of cards they've been dealt with as far as the team players and the types of players that they have, they're going to pull their resources together, do what they can to pull off a win today. But today, at the end of the day, when all the games are over, somebody's going to come out a loser, someone's going to come out a winner. And then as the season goes on and on and on, it's going to come down to two teams, and one is going to take the Super Bowl. Amen? My point in saying that is this, that they have to be determined to win. In order to win the prize, you have to, from the very outset, you have to be determined, I'm going to win. Hallelujah. Now, the good thing about God's kingdom is that we can all be winners, not just one person. Amen? That's why God's against the lotto, the lottery, because you've got more losers than you do winners. Amen? And you've got people just, you know, sometimes I walk into a grocery store, you know, it's just a sad thing. And it seems to me that it's mostly the elderly that are standing in line, giving lots of money to get a lotto ticket. Hopefully they'll win the numbers. You know what I'm saying? But I wonder how many of those people are just disappointed, right? And there's more losers than there are winners. Now, that's not the way it is in the kingdom of God because it says if we give unto the Lord, he'll give back to us. Amen? Amen. 
Now, if you give to the lottery, you may not get anything back for a long time, maybe never. Are you with me now? And so, and I thought about like the Olympics, you know, when they have the Summer Olympics, they have the Winter Olympics, you know, two different sports, you know, of course. You know, you got the Winter Games and the Summer Games, you know, and, and there's three areas of, you know, rewards. You got the gold, the silver, and the bronze, okay? In other words, first, second, and third. But nobody goes into the Olympics, whether it's the Winter Olympics or the Summer Olympics, say, my goal is to win a bronze medal. Their goal is to go for the gold, right? Now, they may end up with a silver. They may end up with a bronze. They may not have any, any wins whatsoever. But their goal at the outset is they go, they're determined they're going to win. They're going to succeed, right? Now, you look at, for example, baseball. It comes down to the World Series, right? It comes down at the end of the season, right about now, starting, you know, where you got the two teams and one's going to win the World Series, right? But all those teams that start out, their goal is to win the championship, right? And you got hockey. Now, I'm not just talking about sports. I'm making a point here. Their goal is to win the Stanley Cup. It comes down to two teams. Only one of them at the end of the season is going to win it, right? Then you got soccer. you got the World Cup, the same process, you know? And you've got all these games, you know? It's amazing to me how many, I think baseball has more games than anything. It's like almost every day they're playing, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, it comes down at the end, <laughs> who's going to win? The people that won the, more, the, more, uh, that won the most games, all right? Now, I put down here that God is the one, every human being born in this earth is a creation of God. When they come into this earth, we are all creations of God. When we come into this earth, and I believe with all of my heart, no matter what the circumstances, no matter where a person's come from or where they were born or whatever the case may be, God has determined and put inside of every human being a fight to want to win. Isn't that true? They want to win. And, uh, and the word determined, I was thinking about this back in, uh, the, uh, back in the 70s and the 60s, you know, and it was the... Uh, it was, oh, what was it called? The national sports thing. And it was the agony of defeat and the thrill of victory. What was that called again? That was uh, the wonderful world of sports, I think it was. Remember that? Did, you ever, did anybody see that back in the 60s and 70s? And they always showed that guy going off the ski jump, you know, and he wipes out. It was like the agony of defeat, you know. But then the thrill of victory. Anybody remember that? Well, nobody likes to lose. I don't care who you are. Nobody gets up in the morning wanting to lose. They want to win. And I believe God instilled that in, on the inside of every single believer. And, uh, and I believe that part of my job as a pastor, as a minister, is to teach people how to get victory, how to be determined. And I think that's the key right there, is being determined first and foremost. If we're going to win in life, win over sickness and disease, win over poverty, win over family oppression, whatever the case is, we have to be determined that we're going to win and not quit and not give up. How many of you know the easiest thing in the world to do is to quit and to give up? <laughs> Broad is the way. Wide is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be that find it. But narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. Amen? Even to get born again, you had to be determined, I'm going to receive Christ. I'm going to get born again, right? Hallelujah. Now, I looked up the word determined in the Webster's. 1828, I believe it is, dictionary. It's the original dictionary, you know, from Noah Webster. And I just jotted down a few things 
that he, he, when I looked up the word determined, and it means a fixed conclusion, decided, fixed, settled, resolved, all right? Having a firm or fixed purpose, all right? So in other words, a firm resolution. So if someone's going to be determined, whether you start a business, whether you do this or that, you know, or, you know, your goal is to, you know, lose weight, get in shape, you know, it could be spiritual, it could be natural, you know, you have to be determined. How many of you know that? It's vitally important, the word determined. And that's why I've said this before, that, you know, right around January, February, all the sports health clubs that are in the city are jam-packed. Because people have New Year's resolutions, they say, I want to do this, I want to do that, but then, you, you know, towards the end of February, March, you know, it starts to slim down, you know. And if all the all the, uh, the gyms, health fitness centers that are in this city kept all their memberships, nobody would get in. Think about that. Because they keep handing them out. You want a membership? You can have a membership. What if everybody showed up? Nobody would be able to get in. So they're actually counting on people not being determined. They know that there's going to be a certain percentage of people that are just going to fall by the wayside. They're going to quit say, it's too hard, I can't do this. Amen? Anyway, let's go to Luke chapter 5. And I want to show you somebody... I want to look at Jesus. I want to look at, actually, when we look at this scripture here, here's Jesus actually in his house. I don't have time to prove it this morning, but he's actually, his house was in Capernaum. He had a house. There's other scriptures that verify that. And, uh, you know, he had to have a place that he operated out of, right? So his home was in Capernaum. And I want to look at a guy here that, and, well, some of his friends that had to be determined. Praise the Lord. Now, when we read this, when we look at this, we don't want to look at it just like a story that happened 2,000 years ago. Do you know, actually, there's going to come a day in heaven, we're going to meet this guy. There's going to come a time where you're going to meet the woman with the issue of blood. Okay? That's a real person, had a real problem, but had a real miracle. And every one of these people, they had to be determined because there was natural with, there was a resistance from the natural. Amen. I had a, a prophetic word given over me many years ago, many, many years ago from a man of God that's well known. And he says, you'll have resistance when you do that. I think the thing that you've been called to do, but he goes, but that's of little difference to me. I'm going to go on up ahead. If you'll speak my word, I'll do what you've said. Amen. Remember that one? We just showed that to you there. And uh, so it's, it's, not a, it's not an unfamiliar thing that the child of God will have resistance when it comes to obeying God, doing what the word says. But we are determined to win under every circumstance, no matter what comes against us. Amen? So in Luke chapter 5, we'll pick up in verse 15. And let's take a look at this. It says, And so much the more than when a fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together <clears throat> to hear and to be healed of their infirmities. Do you see that right there? There was so much popularity or fame that went abroad and great multitudes came together to what? To hear and to be healed of their infirmities. Now notice the order. They didn't come to be healed first. They came to hear and then as a result, healing took place. A lot of times people in the world, they just want to get healed but they don't want to take time to hear now, why is that so important? Because there cannot be any faith 
without first hearing. God is determined in His Word. In Romans 10, 17, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So faith is a byproduct of hearing the Word of God. Let's move along. Verse 16 says, And he withdrew himself, that's Jesus, into the wilderness, and he prayed. And it came to pass on a certain day that as he was teaching, there was Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee, of Judea, Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Notice the power of the Lord was present to heal them. But nobody was getting healed right here yet. And it says in verse 18, And behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with palsy. In other words, he was crippled. Couldn't walk. And they sought means, I'll underline that, they sought means to bring him in to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went up on the housetop, housetop and led him through the tilling of his couch in the midst before Jesus. And it says, verse 20 says, When he saw their faith, Jesus saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins be forgiven thee. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this that speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why reason in your hearts, whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk? But that you may know the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy couch, go into thy house. And immediately he rose up before them and took up that whereupon he lay, therefore to his own house, glorifying God. Now we'll stop here in verse 26. And they were all amazed and glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things here today. That's a kind of a strange response, actually. They didn't see strange things. What they said was strange. Boy, we've seen strange things. A guy picked up his bed and walked out. You know, that's not strange. That's the power of God. Amen. Now, there's a lot of different things we can get into on this, but the thing I want to bring out is this. These, this man had four friends. If you read another, you know, the other Gospels where it's written, it says he was born of four. So he had four friends that literally carried him let's just say each one took a corner and they carried him on his stretcher right to where Jesus was and they got there late amen they got there late and the place was just jam packed and when they got there stop and think about what was going through their mind they were probably thinking oh man we got here too late we should have got here earlier there's not a seat left. There's not a place where you can even get in the house. Now, they could have gave up. They could have quit. They could have just said, you know what? Forget this. There's no use. You know what I mean? 
but they had to be determined. There has to be, if there's a will, there is a way. Are you with me now? If there's a will, there's a way. And if you have the will to, then the way to will be there. Now, I don't know who came up with the idea, but one of them came up with the idea. They said, well, you know, there's nobody on the roof. Okay? And, uh, <laughs> and the guy on the stretcher had to agree with it because, you know, he's thinking, you know, I'm already crippled here. But I mean, you better be careful how you look. You know. Somehow they were able to get up on the roof while Jesus was in the midst of his house and the power of the Lord was present to heal. In other words, it says they sought means. They figured a way out. Amen. When you're determined, you don't quit just because there's an obstacle, just because it looks like the brakes are on. And so somebody came up with the idea, well, there's nobody on the roof, so they got up on the roof. While Jesus was ministering in his house, they began to tear the roof apart. Think about that. Well, you know... <coughs> If that starts to happen, sooner or later the people in the house, including Jesus, is going to, something, there's debris that's falling from the ceiling. Before you know it, they take board, whatever, whatever the roof's thatch and boards, and they start to remove things. Before you know it, the sun is shining through the roof. That's going to stop. That's going to grab everybody's attention. If it was anybody else's house, they probably would have gave them a hard time kick this guy out? What are they doing? Ruining my house. But this is Jesus' house. And he knew. He saw their faith. He saw their faith, their determination. And so they roped them down. They had four ropes and they lowered them down right in the midst of Jesus. The Bible says that <coughs> Jesus saw their faith. Amen? Amen? Can he see faith? Absolutely. The Lord sees faith. He also sees fear. Amen. I'd rather have him see faith. <laughs> Amen. The fact that you even came to church today, he sees your faith. It'd be much easier to stay home, right? But you got up and you came. Amen. Praise the Lord. And it says right here that Jesus saw their faith. And he said, in the, now in, in the house were there Pharisees and scribes, but there's Nothing's going on there. They're there to trap him. It seems like they always showed up. Everywhere Jesus meant if these religious spirits would come and try to accuse him. Amen? And he said, Son, thy sins be forgiven him. And he perceived their thoughts. He knew what they were thinking. <laughs> Have you ever done that before you perceive someone's thoughts? I know what they're thinking right now, right? And uh, many times that happens while ministering. <laughs> he can, it's a spiritual perception, you, and you pick up on it sometimes because God wants you to address certain things. But he said this, which is easier to say, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, rise up and walk? Now I want you to notice, forgiveness of sins and healing are easy for God. He said, which is easier? He got both barrels. He got the forgiveness and he got the healing. The guy was crippled, carried in on a, on a pallet. And at the end, by the end of that session right there, he's carrying his pallet out of there. I don't need this thing anymore. 
It's like a wheelchair. I don't need this thing anymore. Are you with me? Aren't you glad? But we're talking about being determined to win. And the thing that we have to realize, every victory originally starts with an obstacle. Moses, called of God, had a speech impediment. He stuttered. He couldn't speak. He felt like he wasn't qualified. He also faced Pharaoh and his armies. But what would Moses be without a Pharaoh? Would we really know who Moses was without a Pharaoh? All the armies of Pharaoh, and the, which are symbolic of demons and evil spirits and oppression and slavery, you know? Moses felt insignificant, insufficient. He kept saying, who am I? What do I have? I'm the, I'm the least, right? Amen. But we know it, and right now looking back, and we see how God wrought a, 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 a victory through Moses with the ten plagues and the splitting of the Red Sea and all the miracles and the, the signs and the wonders that, that God did through Moses. But it was originally all that resistance. Right? Wasn't it? It was all resistance. What about Joseph? This is prior to Moses, you know. What about Joseph had brothers that betrayed him, sold him into slavery because they didn't believe his dream? We thought, who in the, who in the world do you think you are, Joseph? You naughty little thing, you. And he was the youngest of all the brothers. But you know, Joseph is a type of Christ. He was betrayed of his brethren for was it 20 or 30 pieces of silver? Same with Jesus, right? Went into a pit. Jesus went into a pit. But in the end, he became their salvation. Amen? Praise the Lord. They ended up bowing down to him in the end. And when he unveiled himself and showed who he really was, they didn't know at first that it was Joseph. Then they were, they were obviously under conviction. They thought, oh my God, well, he's going to kill us now. But Joseph showed mercy and kindness to his brothers that formerly betrayed him. Okay? And then you have Potiphar's wife that wanted to have physical relations with Joseph on every, every you know, tried to trap him, you know. And Joseph said, I can't do this, you know. I'm not going to sin against my master, you know. And... Uh, and she trapped him and so forth, took his coat and said he tried to rape her and all this kind of stuff, you know. And then, uh, you know, and then Potiphar threw him in jail and all this bad stuff happened, you know. But in the end, he rose up. But Joseph, I really like the character of Joseph in the Bible. We're going to meet him someday, amen. I really like Joseph because the Bible says that the, the word that was given over him, the Lord tried him. The word that was spoken to him looked like it would never come to pass. What God told him and what God showed him looked the furthest thing from the truth. But Joseph hung on to his vision. He hung on to his dream. What God showed him would come to pass no matter how long it took, no matter what happened. Amen. Amen. And in the end, Joseph became the deliverer and all of Israel came down and started. The children of Israel right there in, in Egypt. Amen. And he ended up, Joseph ended up sustaining his whole, the whole nation as well as his family. He's a type of Christ. 
But Joseph had resistance. Joseph had opposition. Okay? I don't know how many people would have did the same thing. They might have crashed under the pressure. You know what I'm saying? Given up. Cave in. You know? That's the easiest thing to do. But he just kept hanging on. Praise the Lord. Just kept hanging on. And then you have, for example, David. What would David be without a Goliath? We only know David in the Bible as far as his victory over. Amen. You want to bump that heat up there, Josh? It is, it is kind of cold here. Just bump it up one. What would David be without a Goliath? Seriously. What would he be without a Goliath? David faced his brothers. He was the youngest of his brothers. He was uh, ridiculed by his brothers. But he faced the Philistines. He faced Goliath. He faced the lion. He faced the bear. And a lot of Philistines. Amen. But we know David became victorious, but he had a lot of opposition. He had a lot of pressure come against him. On one occasion, I think we talked about this last week on the phone, that you know, the enemy came in and took their kids and their children, burned their houses down. And it says that the soul of the people was much grieved because of what the enemy had done, that they began to turn on David, their leader. And they wanted to stone David. They're always looking... There's no shortage of rocks over there in Israel, I'll tell you that. But again, they began to look for rocks. David went and got away from the crowd, and he said, what encouraged? He hid himself, and he went and encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Praise the Lord. And so we're talking about being determined. David could have given up. He could have threw the towel and said, this is too hard. I can't take the pressure anymore. You know, that's just face the facts. Let's just quit. Let's just give up. But what did he do? He went and he encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Sometimes you're not going to have people to stand there and encourage you. Now that should, shouldn't be the case in a local church. If you're in a local, that's why the local church is so important. Amen? I'm talking about having relations with, relationships with one another where you can trust people. Praise the Lord. Now, why is that so important? Because the Lord will always be there to encourage us when there may not be a person. You find that to be true? Now, it's great to have people. It's great to have people in the church. But we're not always around each other 24-7. And so we need to learn to lean on the Lord, encourage ourselves in the Lord our God. And when we do... He will help us. Praise the Lord. We're talking about becoming determined. Let's look at the first key here this morning. Go to Mark chapter 11. And one verse. Mark chapter 11. And verse number 22. Mark chapter 11. And verse number 22. Are you with me now? Jesus answered and saith unto them, Have faith in God. Can we say that part? Have faith in God. One more time. Have faith in God. Okay, 
Our subject is being determined to win. The first thing that we have to realize to be determined to win, we have to have faith in God. It doesn't say have faith in man, have faith in your brother or your sister. That's okay to do that. But ultimately, ultimately, we are to have faith in God. That's four words, have faith in God. Those four words are the most important words that we'll ever learn in the New Testament. Because no matter what people say, well, what about the economy? What's going to happen to our nation? What's going to happen to my job? What's going to happen to my kids? What's going to happen to my future? You could just list a whole bunch of things right there, right? The answer to that, those questions is one thing. Have faith in God. Say it one more time. Have faith in God. There's many a times in my life I've done the, you know, what's, you've heard the saying, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Amen. Well, that's basically saying that for a preacher, what you preach is also good for you too. How many of you know we're not preachers, we're not anointed to live the word we have to walk by the same faith principles that everybody else has to walk by. Amen. We're not specially gifted to walk by faith and not by sight. I wish that were the case. Amen. But all of us, all of us are in the same boat in that, in that respect that we have to learn to walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. And you can have peace in the midst of your storm. Peace. Praise the Lord. I have peace right now. <laughs> Amen. I'll have peace tomorrow too because I've made my mind up no matter what's going on around me, I am looking to the Lord from whence cometh my help. Amen. Now I've been around long enough to know that there have been circumstances. It's going to look sometimes like you're sinking. It looks, it looks, it looks like you're going to lose. It looks like you're going under. But I look back and I see God's track record. And I see He has a really good track record. Amen. Hallelujah. He's a very good He's a good accountant. Amen. Amen. And he knows how to take care of his own. And so we have to always remember those things that God did for us previously and the prayers that he answered, you know, lest we forget in the midst of a present circumstance that we're, that we're dealing with. Amen. So this point right here, you know, if we're going to be, if we're going to uh, be determined to win, we have to major our lives on this one thing right here, Mark eleven twenty two. Jesus' answer said, have faith in God. That's the answer to every problem. Now, I think about another parallel verse to this that was similar to this. is when, the Lord, when Gabriel appeared to Mary, right, and said, you're going to have a child. And her response is, and she wasn't married yet. She was engaged. But her response to that legit question was, how, how can this be, seeing I know not a man? She's trying to figure that out. That's a legit question. It's, there's a difference between having a question and questioning. You get like uh, Elizabeth's husband, right? Zachariah, the husband of John. He was questioning, and God said, we've got to shut his mouth or he'll ruin this miracle. He was questioning. But she had a legit question. How can this be, seeing I know not a man? I can't have a child without a man. And this is typically what we read at Christmas time, but think about this. The answer that Gabriel gave to Mary is, 
is, is a powerful, powerful answer that we have today. Amen. And that is this. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. Say the Holy Ghost. Holy Amen. Ghost. Say the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. All right. So she had a question. She said, how can this be, seeing I know not a man? How's this miracle going to happen? The angel probably just, I bet he smiled at her too. You know, generally speaking, if the angel of the Lord's going to appear to you, an angel's going to appear to you, he's not going to have a frown on his face. A lot, a lot of times in the scripture it says their countenance was like lightning. Now that to me doesn't look depressing. If you see somebody's countenance, it's like lightning. You're like, whoa. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But that, here's what the answer that he gave her. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. And so we're talking about the series here, how to be determined to win. Determined to win. You have to realize at the outset, I am going in, I'm going to win, I'm not going to lose. No matter what you're facing in life, you are a winner already. The Lord has already made provision for that. And so this verse here, Mark eleven twenty two, is our key. Jesus said, have faith in God. Hallelujah. I've had, I talked to a lot of different people, you know, where I work and stuff like that, you know, and a lot of people are really, you know, if, you know as you get together with people, what's in abundance in their heart is going to come out their mouth. And a lot of people are really concerned about the country, what's happening, you know, and, you know, what's going to happen, you know, with all the corruption that's in the government and all this kind of stuff. You know, and they just don't know. They, they really don't know. But I believe if you're walking with the Lord, you have inside information. Inside information means you have information that you're not getting via the news media. And that's why you can have absolute peace in the midst of everything that's going on. And I already know the outcome. I know how it's going to turn out. Now, if you were to ask me the logistics, how that's going to happen, I don't know. That's not my responsibility. But I already know that God doesn't want people to be hopeless. He doesn't want them to feel like, you know, the tribulation is going to start tomorrow. You know what I'm trying to say? There is going to come a tribulation, but the timing of God is not for that right now. This is the end time revival. This is the end time outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And the enemy tries to mask it and look, make it look like hell on earth. This is the worst time. It's going to get worse and worse and worse. Well, there's an intervention coming from Almighty God. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And the people that ridicule you and think, ah, oh, that's, that's a bunch of hogwash. You know, what are you talking about? It's just a pipe dream. No, I know it's going to happen. We're going to see God's outstretched arm and this is not, we're not even talking about politics here. We're talking about life and death. Fear over faith. We're talking about those kind of things. And these things are legitimately people's hearts. They're concerned. When God saw the Israelites in Egypt, he heard their groanings. Do you know God can hear your groanings? Do you ever go, oh, Within, it says, God heard their groanings. 
They didn't even say anything. They were just like in agony, like, oh, slavery. It says, the Bible says, God heard their groanings and he sent a deliverer to them. By the name of Moses. Praise the Lord. Now, when they were groaning, they certainly didn't know that something was coming. They didn't know that God was going to send a, a, a deliverer, but he did. Amen. And I say unto you this day, God is still the deliverer. Amen. He is still the one that sets the captives free. You don't have to figure out how your son or your daughter, <coughs> excuse me, excuse my voice here, amen. You don't have to figure out how God's going to set them free, how he's going to do it. Our job is to say, I have faith in God. And sometimes during the day, the course of the day, you might have to say three, four, five times, I have faith in God. I'm not looking at what I see. I have faith in God that you are the one that's going to do this. Praise the Lord. Now, I had a miracle happen to me just this past week. Over the past four to five months, I, and I didn't tell anybody about it. You may not know about it, but I had seemed to me like it was severe arthritis in both of my hips right here. I mean, it was agony just to walk up a hill, just hurt. You know what I'm saying? A lot of times after I was preaching, I'd have to sit down because I was in so much pain. Okay? And this went on month after month after month. And the only thing that came to my mind was this, arth it was arthritis. Okay? In both hips. Not just one, but both. Okay? It was painful. I'd get up, walk around in the morning, at night. It was all during the day, you know? And, uh, and so I, I told Lynn, Lynn about it. You know, she's, she's my partner in, in the natural and in the spiritual realm as well. Amen? And we were, I think we were in the car, if my memory serves me correct. We were driving in the car. And she just laid hands on me and says, we're not going to put up with this, you know? And she prayed in the name of Jesus, you know, and took authority over it, you know? And, uh, and guess what? About two days later, I woke up pain-free. Because <laughs> I've told my wife, I said, you pray for me, I'll get healed. And it always happens. I just, I just have, I have faith in that. Amen? <clears throat> Not that I'm leaning on her. We're, we're heirs together. And... Uh, and God is my eternal witness. I stand here today. This is the week that it happened to me. Pain free. I can move my limbs. I can go down. I can move any which way. No pain whatsoever. And I am so thankful and so grateful for God. Amen. Now, if you would ask me my feelings, how do you feel? My feelings would say, you're, you're in a lot of pain here, buddy. You know what I'm saying? You know, the devil lies to you, says, well, you know, people in their 60s, they start having these kind of problems. Lord Arthur shows up. That's the excuse that even a lot of believers say, well, you know how it is. You turn 60 and then this happens and that falls apart. I said, I know enough that my God did not create arthritis. I'll never have arthritis. If they tried to come against me, I refuse. I'll not have arthritis. Amen? But God is my witness. I mean, even when she prayed for me, the devil's lying to my mind. Isn't that amazing how you pray and the devil's lying to your mind and says, you're not going to get it. You're too old. 
Oh, I'm 62. You know what I'm saying? And every time I've prayed for healing, I'd always have this prevailing thought saying, you're not going to get it this time. You don't have enough faith. You didn't pray long enough. You don't have enough word on the inside of you. Well, how many years, devil, is it going to take for me to have enough word on the inside? I've been walking with Christ for over 40 years. You know what I'm saying? The devil's always going to try to tell you, you don't have what it takes. You don't have enough. You know, but you just look at him both, just look at him right in the eye and say, you're a liar. If I have one scripture, I have enough faith. Amen. One scripture will defeat the devil. Amen. One scripture. Amen. It's like a bullet. One bullet can take out an enemy. Right? Well, the weapons that we have are not natural. They're spiritual. They're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And the weapons of our warfare, it's the living word of God. The living word of God. Kenneth Hagin, my spiritual dad, said this. He said some of the greatest miracles came when he had faith in his heart but doubt in his head. There's a separation between your soul, which is your mind, <clears throat> and your spirit. You can believe in your heart. It's like the guy that said, I believe, but help thou mine unbelief. There's that part that wanted to believe, and then there's a part that didn't. Well, I think the Lord likes transparency. Amen? If I'm hurting, I tell God, Father, I'm hurting in this area. I need some help right now. I'm not going to lie about it. I'm not going to hide it. You know, the, th the wonderful thing about our Father is that He knows everything about you. He knows things about you that you don't know about you. That brings comfort to me. Not insecurity. It brings comfort to me because the Lord knew what he, what he was getting when He got us because in the natural, none of us are perfect. I am not perfect. I'm the furthest thing from perfection in the natural. Okay? And just like all of us, that being said, the Lord still loves us unconditionally in light of every little idiosyncrasy and our shortcomings, you know. He's invested everything into our spirit man. Praise the Lord. If he waited for us to be perfect in the flesh before he moved on our lives, God would never move. We'd be sitting here 50 years from now still waiting on the Lord to do something. Amen. But he loves us so much. He cares for us so much that he'll move on our behalf. Amen. Don't ever condemn yourself. The scripture tells us, happy is a man that condemneth not himself in the things which he alloweth. It never, it's in James, it's never good to condemn yourself. You say, ah, I had a bad week this week. I lost my temper. You know? Well, like one guy said, I think you found it, not lost it. <laughs> you know? But, but that being said, don't condemn yourself if you missed it in the flesh because condemnation is a robber. It'll rob you every single time. You know? Right? There's people that beat themselves up. I, I've talked to people say, man, I, I could have been a better parent. I could have been a better husband or a wife, you know. And I said, man, don't, don't go there. You can't go back 50 years from now, 30 years from now, 20 years from now, and you can't change what happened. So don't beat yourself up. See how the devil operates trying to condemn people, make them feel bad, you know. Never condemn yourself. Who is he that condemneth? Does God condemn? No. It is he that justifies, makes right. See, God, is, God believes in you more than any human being. That brings great comfort to my heart. Amen? There are times in my life where people didn't believe in me. But I'm, that goes across the board. Jesus' own family didn't believe in him. 
right? He came unto his own, his own received them not. <laughs> but if God accepts me, God believes in me, oh, that's the only thing I need. If, if God has faith in me, you know, I'm going to say this right now. I release this right now in the name of Jesus. God has faith in you. He has faith in you. He has faith in you. He believes in you. No matter what's happened, no matter how long the trial's going on in your life, he has faith in you. He believes in you. Okay? Now here's something we have to remember too. I'm just kind of going with the flow right here. Is that all right? No matter what happens in life, there's always going to be someone worse off than you. Amen? The other day I was down in the south side. I was driving down there. And there was two guys on a block. I don't know if they were competing for the same block, but they were both homeless. You know what I'm saying? And they had their little cardboard, you know, I need money for food and stuff or whatever. You know, they're walking around. And they, and the, they literally, their clothes on their back is all they had. You know what I'm saying? And I thought, that person doesn't even know how much God loves them. He loves that person. He knows what they've been through, right? He knows why they lost, why they're in that position to begin with. And they may, they may never know unless God tells them that God believes in them. Amen? See, a lot of times, here's another side thought here. A lot of times before we evangelize people with the gospel, we have to be friendly to them first. Amen? And we shouldn't have to say that to believers sometimes. We have to be friendly. <laughs> we shouldn't have to tell believers, be friendly to people. Amen? But to show love, to show acceptance to people is a big deal. Because one people, strangers or people you just meet, if they feel love and acceptance from you, in other words, you, you smile at them. Amen? You look at them, you, you smile at them. I'm not saying some cheesy smile or anything like that, but I mean, just be authentic to people. Say, thank you. Amen? I love practicing. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Amen? My mama taught me right. <laughs> Amen? And it, it's showing respect to people. And people aren't used to hearing that. Some people say, you call me ma'am or sir? You know, yeah. You know what I mean? Isn't it, don't you like to be respected? Sure, everybody likes to be respected, but when you show love and you show respect and acceptance to people, that doesn't mean you accept everything they're doing in their lives, but though them as a person, God loves that person, okay? And he'll love the hell out of them. Do you understand? I'm not cursing. He will love the hell out of people. He will. He loves people. He cares for people. And I can't help but when I spend time with the Lord any given day, if I spend any time with Him, even a few minutes, you fall in love with people because you realize how much God loves you personally. So it's just a natural thing to say, to take that love that you have and show it to someone else. Amen? Oh, I'm so glad we have a Savior like that. What time is it here? We're almost out of time here. And so the key here, and we're talking about, you know, how to be determined. Our new series is called Determined to Win. You have to make your mind up now. Just like I said, with sports, you know, the football teams, their goal is to win the Super Bowl. 
That's their, from the very outset, even in training camp. Guys, our goal this year is to win the Super Bowl. Now, whatever it's going to take to get there, we're going to do it. Okay? But they're looking at the end result first. They're looking at the end result, the final game, the Super Bowl. That's the natural, right? And so now, now, it goes, now they go from the, the end result. They go backwards. And they say, what can we do to train? What can we do to perfect our game? You know what I'm saying? They're always doing that during the week, right? And so we have to be determined to win. There are no losers in the body of Christ. The only losers that there are are people that just quit, that give up, throw in the towel. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Now, I've talked to a lot of people through the years, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people through the years. And there's been several times where people are this, I just feel like giving up on my marriage. I feel like giving up on this or giving up on that. All because of pressure. Okay? But what's on the other side of that mountain? Stop and think. If you give up right now, what's on the other side of that mountain if you just give up and quit right now? Amen? Things worth anything are worth fighting for. The Bible says fight the good fight of faith. Amen? I just refuse. Now, you just make a stance. You say, I refuse to give in to the pressure. I refuse to give up when it comes to my family. I refuse when it comes up when it comes to my financial affairs. I refuse to give up when it comes to my physical well-being in my body. I just won't quit. I just won't give up. Amen? Amen. When I was dealing with that arthritis there for over, almost five months there in my hips, Every time I'd get up and walk, it was so painful. After I'd preach, I'd have to find a seat. Well, guess what? Today, I'm not sitting down after I'm done preaching. Because when that precious, beautiful woman right there laid hands on me, I said, I know it's the anointing. It's not just her, it's the anointing. I said, I believe she's anointed. You see, that's what attracted me to her. Of course, she was gorgeous when I met her in the natural. But, but it was more than that. It was her spirit. I fell in love with her spirit. That's what I fell in love with. See, people, you got to realize people are more than just a body. You know what I mean? And I remember the first time, the very first time, either first or second time, I went over to her house and met her family. And it was like around dinner time or after dinner or something like that. And she had she'd already been to Raymond one year before me because we, we met between that, you know what I'm saying? And uh, she'd already answered the call of God in her life um, prior to me even meeting her, okay? But God was crossing our paths because that's the direction God had me go to. I, didn't, I wasn't riding on her coattails, you know? I had answered separately. She answered separately the same call, the same Bible school, you know? And, um, and so she, had, she was home after her first year of Bible school. So she said summer break, you know? She ran up and got some tapes from Tom Pickens. Tom Pickens was uh, <laughs> the associate pastor of Frederick... K.C. Price in, in uh, Los Angeles, California. And then he became one of the teachers at Rama. Okay? And she goes, you need to hear this tape when Tom Pickens was sharing. Well, I never heard of Tom Pickens before. And it was a cassette tape. She came down, brought that little cassette tape down, stuck it in there, and that was our date for the night. She put on the teaching tape, and I was like, I like this. Amen? Hallelujah. And so... Uh, we, 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 we feed on that anointing on each other. Amen? Of course, all, we're not perfect. You know, I'm not perfect. Once in a while. 
<laughs> but uh, but when I see my kids, for example, and I'm not just just building up my family, but I see the anointing on Kelly, I see the anointing on Joshua, I draw from that. I draw from that anointing that's on the inside of them. There are times that God has spoken through them to me and Lynn, and I knew it was God. Okay, but. I believe they're anointed. God's called them. And that's we have to see the potential in each other. When you see the potential in each other, you'll draw that out. When you see the value in someone else, you will draw that out in them, and they won't even know it. They'll be like, I just feel so good around them. I just feel like I have something to offer, right? That's the way I feel about everybody in our church. Amen? Amen? I, I see value in every single person, every single one. Not because I have to, but because I see it through the eyes of God. I see it through the eyes of faith. Amen? Amen? Oh, my goodness. We're going all over the place here. Now, let's, let's look at a couple of scriptures here and we'll close, okay? Let's go to Matthew chapter 17. I want you to say, I'm determined to never quit, never give up, never fail. Praise the Lord. We have to be determined. And it's okay if you have a friend, you know, in the faith that you can say, you know what, my, my feelings are saying one thing right now. I feel like quitting. I feel like giving up. But as a brother and sister in the Lord, will you stand with me? And that should be a safe place. We're not looking down on people. There are times, I'll be honest with you, there are times in the natural, I felt like quitting. I felt like giving up. There are many times I didn't even want to come to church. <laughs> but I've made my mind up. I don't care. I'm coming. Amen. Whether we have five people here or 50 people here or 500 people here, the same Keith will be the same between with five people or 500 people. I won't be any different because I'm not moved by that. You understand? I'm not moved by that, but I'm moved by what God has told me to do, what he's called me to do, and I'm going to continue the vision what he's called me to do. And he keeps adding things to my vision. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> Amen? I'm really excited about it. Praise the Lord. And it has to do with this area. Praise God. But in Mark, uh, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, it says, And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, but if you have faith, the grain of a mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence yonder place, and it shall be removed. Now notice this, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Underline that phrase, nothing shall be impossible unto you. Now to us, we face impossible situations, right? <clears throat> That's par for the course. But I'm so glad that, you know, he, he went on to say, Nothing shall be impossible unto you. Say nothing. nothing. What's that nothing mean? It means nothing. Nothing shall be impossible unto you. Hallelujah. You know, a couple weeks ago, if you remember, I had a sermon called How to Preach Yourself into Victory. Remember that? How to Preach Yourself into Victory. God's called us to preach to ourselves. Hallelujah. Talk to yourself. 
Now, when we think of preacher, we think of podium, you know what I'm saying? But actually, that's what David did. He encouraged himself. He got a pulpit and preached to himself. <laughs> Looked in the mirror and said, nope, you're not giving up. You're not quitting. God's invested too much in you. It's, you're not going to go under. You're going to go over. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. I look in the mirror right there. I'll look in the mirror sometimes and I'll say, the greater one lives inside you. The anointing is on the inside of you. Praise the Lord. And I do that on a regular basis. Praise God. We encourage ourselves in the Lord our God. Now he said right here, all, nothing shall be impossible unto you if you believe. Oh, thank you, Lord. Luke 1.37. Go real quick there. Got two more scriptures and we'll close out here this morning. Luke chapter 1, verse 37. <clears throat> For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Isn't that something? Nothing shall be impossible. Well, I face some impossible situations, Brother Keith. Well, with God, nothing is impossible. Well, I know the statistics say this and say that. You know, well, we're not going by statistics. We're not going by other people's experience. We got the God, we call it the God factor. Always have to remember that. Have faith in God, like Jesus said. That's the God factor. We have a Savior. My God, if God delivered me from the pit of hell, which he did, saved my soul from hell, eternal flames in the lake of fire, if he saved me from that, why can't he save me from anything else? He did the ultimate. He saved me from hell and you from hell because our destination was to go there without Jesus. But you made a wise choice. You heard the gospel at some point. And you said, Jesus, come into my life, change your life and raised you from the dead. And now you're going to heaven. That's the ultimate miracle. That's the greatest miracle that exists. So everything else underneath that is on a lower order. Healing, that's nothing. If he saved your soul, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall we not with him also freely give us all things? He didn't withhold the ultimate. Amen? Thank you, Lord Jesus. See Brother Glenn back there, he just got a new vehicle, brand new vehicle, you know. And, uh, but I want to ask you a question, not a trick question. Brother Glenn, when you bought that vehicle, did the steering wheel come with it? Did the seats come with it? Did the gas pedal come with it? It sounds like a package deal to me. When he bought the car, all that stuff came with it. And when you were purchased your salvation, all the other friends things came with it. Hallelujah. Your healing, your deliverance, all those things, they belong to us rightfully so. Praise the Lord. So we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from a place of victory. Amen. Hallelujah. We're already victorious. Yeah. We're the victorious ones. Amen. <laughs> we are. Oh, hallelujah. hallelujah. I can hear people shouting on the phones this morning by faith. Amen. Glory to God. So, uh, Matthew 19, look at this. Matthew 19, verse 25. And then we got one more scripture, and that's it. Matthew 19, verse 25 says, And Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. 
How many times do we need to hear that phrase before it really sinks in? Think about that. <laughs> With men it's impossible. With God all things are possible. The last one is Genesis 18, 14. <clears throat> now this has to do with Sarah, who was Sarai, became Sarah. And remember the angels appeared and said, you're going to be, you're going to have a child. And she laughed. <laughs> she wasn't in faith about it. She laughed about it. In fact, she lied to the angels. He said, you laughed. She goes, no, I didn't. He goes, yes, you did. <laughs> And he, the angel said this, verse 14, Is anything too hard for the Lord? And at this appointed time I will return unto thee, and according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Well, from the natural, she's too old to have kids. You know the story. We've talked about that many times. Amen. She's too old. She's past the childbearing age. She never had children when she was young. <coughs> Are you with me? But here again, you have this phrase. Is anything too hard for the Lord? So let me conclude it by saying this. Look at your situations that you face. Now you know, you know, and I know, the things that you face personally that seem impossible, that seem hard, that seem difficult. They've been there a long time. We all have situations like that. But I think, here's what comes to my heart and mind. What, what did Paul say? What shall we say to these things? <laughs> We're supposed to say to these things. If God be for us, who can be against us? And the things he's talking about there is trials and persecution and lack and peril. He talks about that, you know. He says, what are we going to say to these things? We're supposed to talk back to those things. Those enemies of your life that are trying to rob and steal, they're all demonic, you know, they try to rob and steal from you and your kids and your inheritance and everything. You have to look at them square in the eye and say, by faith, if God be for me, nothing can be against me. If God be for us, who can be against us? Well, what's going to happen when you say that? It's going to cause the anointing and the Spirit of God to rise up and to conquer that impossible situation. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now that thing I was just recently facing with my hips for the last five months, four and a half, five months, <clears throat> from the natural, it didn't look like there was no way I was going to get help with that. Okay? But I had to preach to myself. Say no. Amen? When I had that tumor on my right, on my left, right here, where the watch is, several years ago, this is going back like 20 years now, I had to talk to that thing. And it looked like nothing was happening. It looked like every day, no, nope, it's the same, it's the same. Get bigger. In fact, I had a preacher pray for it and it got bigger. Remember, your brother Moss prayed for it and it looked like it got bigger. Well, that's real encouraging. 
Sometimes it looks like the problem gets worse. <clears throat> when demon, the demon came out of that little boy, Jesus, it looked like he got worse. He, he wailed and foamed and gnashed his teeth on the ground, you know. But the devil was leaving him. It wasn't getting worse. It was just manifesting before it left. Okay? Yeah. So we're not moved by what we see. We're not moved by what we're faith people. We trust God. Our faith is in the living God who richly gives us all things to enjoy. <laughs> so we preach to ourselves. We talk to ourselves. What shall we say? That's what the Apostle Paul said. If he was here today, which he is in this book right here, but if Paul the Apostle was here this day, we can, we can rise up and say, what shall we say to these things? If God be for me, who can be against me? Praise God. And we speak to it, command it to leave. Praise the Lord. And it will obey you. Let me tell you something. The devil will obey your voice. Because when you speak God's word, it's like God in your mouth saying the same thing to the devil. Amen. Say, we win. Amen. Say, I always win. Always win. Thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. Thanks be unto God, Paul says, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul on board that ship, you know, and, it, and, the, and the devil sent a big hurricane there and tried to kill them all on ship. He said, there stood by him an angel of the Lord, whose I am and whom I serve. And he said, fear not, Paul, fear not. And when those on the ship that were taking him prisoner, remember that? He said, Sirs, I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. There shall not be the loss of one person's life, but they have to stay on the ship. They can't jump over, but they've got to stay on the ship. Amen? Don't jump ship. Stay on board. Praise there's a lot that you can go there. And Paul heard from the Lord. And it looked like sure loss. They threw the cargo of the ship, the light in the ship. They, threw, they got rid of all the cargo. And all hope from the natural was gone. They got caught in the middle of a hurricane. The boat is falling apart. They're out in the middle of the waves. and the, That's it. That's, they're going to die. But Paul stood up in the midst of that. He says, all shall be well. We're coming through this thing. Now what happened? God brought them through. Not one person lost their life. And that you think, think about that. After that happened, you would think, man, that's enough drama for one day. I mean, we think we've had it hard. Look at Paul. My God, what, he, what he'd been through, you know. He kept a good attitude, too. Shipwrecked three times. Stoned. Beaten. Left for dead. Persecuted. You know, I mean, the worst kind of stuff you could think of. And stand up and say, I'm more than a conqueror. <laughs> he just, he had a good attitude. I can learn a lot from that man, I'll tell you right now. And it's like God puts the most extreme example in front of us to say, if he can do it, we can do it. Because we'll never have it as hard as he did. And so they finally get some relief and they, they're on the island of Malta. Remember that? <clears throat> and they're cold and wet from the storm, from the hurricane for several days. They were, they had, it was a forced fast. They didn't many, there was nothing to eat, you know? They're starving and they're cold, you know, and they're wet. <clears throat> and they started a fire and Paul reached, reached into the stir up the fire and a viperous snake came out and bit Paul by the hand. After all that, you know, to add insult to injury, right? 
a poisonous viper fastened us on Paul's hand. He's trying to get sticks for the fire, and the snake was in, you know, you know, the snakes come out when there's heat. <laughs> and uh, the snake fastened itself on his arm, and he shook it off, the Bible says. He shook it off. Now, the people on the island, you know, they're from that island, right? That's their place. That's their native place, right? That kind of snake, they call it the two-stepper. You get bit by that snake, within two steps, you're a dead person because it's full of venom. And they, when they kept looking at Paul, they kept saying, well, a minute went by, two minutes went by, he's not dead. He must be a god. They started to worship him. <laughs> and the Bible says he, he tore his clothes. That's how they got their attention back then. They rent their clothes, you know. Very expressive people, you know. And he says, look, we're just like you. We're not gods, you know what I mean? Are you with me now? And, uh, but he just didn't quit. And the Bible says there's the people on the island of Malta. There was a guy named Publius that was sick, had a bloody flux, whatever that means. And he was healed. And that's when all the word got out right after the snake bite. And all of a sudden, all these people started coming to the Apostle Paul. Now, they're, granted, they're taking him as a prisoner, right? All of a sudden, he's in charge of everything. <laughs> and all the sick people came into the island, came to him. They wanted healed, and they were delivered. They were set free. Wow. Amen? Awesome. Now, all that leads up to this. Was he tempted to quit? I'm sure he was. Did he want to quit and give up? Yes. But he was determined that what God said is going to come to pass. And if we're determined to hang on to the word of the Lord more than anything else, to get a bulldog grip on the word of God and not give up. They say a bulldog, once he grabs onto something, he just won't let go. Well, we can have that bulldog faith. We just won't let go. Things are pulling on us, ripping on us, pressure here, pressure there. We just say, no, I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. I refuse to give up and quit. And I'll tell you, God will back you up. He will stand up with you. You, know, you have to realize that we're living in pressured times. Amen. Doesn't it take any rocket science to figure that out? There's probably more pressure in the times that we're living in now than ever before. It's not like, you know, back in the 50s and 60s, you know, June Cleaver, Leave it to Beaver. No, those days are long gone. Okay? We're living in days of pressure, but the Word doesn't change. The Word of God will sustain us in the midst of any trial, any test that we face. He will sustain us. Amen? And that's what the beautiful thing about coming to church is we can encourage ourselves in the Lord our God, and we stand with each other. We're family. We're real family. The church, the living God. Amen? That's why the devil wants to keep people out of church, keep them away from church. No, I mean, don't get me on my soapbox. But the thing is, there's strength when we come together. That's why the Bible says, don't forsake yourself to assemble together as the manner, custom, or habit of some is. But so much the more as you see the day of Christ approaching, come together. Say, I'm going through a test. I'm going through a trial. Come to church. 
I'm just going to stay home and sulk and have a pity party. No, come to church. Amen? Get under the anointing. Get in the presence of God. Hallelujah. I feel better physically now that I came to church right now than when I first started this morning. I couldn't even sing this morning. Len Mink sang for me. Okay? Because my voice wasn't quite there yet. But it's coming back as I'm preaching here this morning. Amen. Amen? I even told my wife, I said, look, if I can't finish the sermon today, jump up here and take over like nothing ever happened. Well, that didn't happen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord Jesus. Let's just lift our hands and thank him. Hallelujah. We bless you. We praise you, Lord. We magnify your name. We glorify your name, Lord God. You are the most high God, maker of heaven and earth. Thank you, Lord. Nothing is impossible to him that believeth, Father. Father, we take you at your word. If God be for us, which you are, nothing can be against us. Nothing will stop us. And Father, I thank you for the anointing, the holy anointing upon each and every person right now in this room. That your anointing be upon them, strengthening them this entire week, Father. Help us, Lord, to look at our battles differently. Help us to look at our circumstances differently. May we look at them from your vantage point. May we look at things from your viewpoint. And when we look at things from your viewpoint, things don't look so bad after all. Because you are a God of victory. You're the God of the armies. And we walk with you. And we've been raised up with you. And may we see things from that viewpoint. Not just our eyes, not just our ears, for they're earthly, but from your vantage point, from the heavenly. Sweet victories in the air for the child of God. Sweet victory is in the air for every man and every woman that clings to my word. My word cannot fail. It will not fail. It has never failed. And as you cling to my word, the living word, you will not fail. You will not go under. Keep your eyes on me. Keep your ears plugged into my word. And all shall be well, says the Lord. All shall be well. For those that cling to my word shall not, not fail. Those that hang on to my word shall never be defeated. For you are the church, my body, my bride, and you've been raised up with me. So come walk with me and walk in victory and watch your enemies be defeated before your very face. For they shall crumble and fall by the side, but you will remain and you will stand strong because you're walking with me, saith the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, Father, thank you so much. Sweet victory. Praise the Lord.